The next verse, are you aware of God's presence in your life? As you live your life, are you aware you're always living in the presence of God? Where does God live? Well, he lives way up there in a place called heaven. Where does God live? He's living inside of me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in me. Do you live in the presence of God? Though I know that whatever I say, think, do, I'm always in the presence of God. See, nobody can live your Christian life for you. You have to do it. And he says this, for the love of Christ constraineth us. That's to motivate us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. So the reason we should serve the Lord is because of what he has done for us. There's our motivation that we need. Correct your priorities. How was Mary's choice better than Martha? When you read this and Lazarus, he had these two sisters, and Jesus uh, often visited their home. But now, time with the Lord is more important than service. But there has to be time with the Lord, and there has to be service. But which one's more important? Well, the first one is this. Get this story. Jesus. He says, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, two sisters. Jesus is there. One is sitting there listening and learning and just eating up every word. And one is serving and doing work. Which one's doing wrong? Jesus would not always be with her. He was going to leave. He's not always in their presence. Who makes the right choice? At this time, Mary makes the better decision. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. In other words, there's more behind the scenes than what's been revealed. Jesus knows there's other things, many other things. Did you know that you can work yourself to death? And people that are workaholics, it could be a problem. Because you haven't learned how to rest and trust the Lord and then just enjoy some things in life. And you'll work yourself to the grave. Why do you think so many people, when they finally retire, they die? Well, if that was on the option, I don't know if I'd have quit. But anyway, he says this. But one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, I don't want her to get up from doing this to go serve. There's a time to listen and to learn. There's a time to come to church and to listen and to learn. And then there's the time for service. But you've got to get your priorities right. And so it's so important to make the right decisions while you can. Study the Word of God. And it'll help you in your decisions. But Mary has chosen. That means she made a choice. And Mary and Martha had a choice. Everybody has choice. You're free to choose. Notice that Mary and Martha made separate decisions that were not determined by Christ. He didn't determine their decision. He can have a priority and say, this is what you ought to do. But they make up their decision. They determine what they did. You're the one that determines what you do. Jesus revealed that both were free to choose. 
One thing that was needful was learning before serving. Why do you think we want kids to come to college and learn the word before they start running? Because a lot of people run and they haven't got the message right. Get the message down. Get the gospel down. Learn the word before you start running because if you don't, you're going to run out of gas. We try to give them enough that can keep them going for at least two or three weeks. Missionary Jim Elliott said, A man is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What are the two biblical categories to consider when choosing your priorities? Temporal and eternal. And there's a verse that has both of those in it. So when you're making your decisions on a day-by-day basis, there's always now, but God wants you to think about later. The results down the road, eternity. Look down the road. Live for things that's going to mount to something a hundred years from now. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but all the things which are not seen. He says, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. So God wants us to focus on that which is not seen. That means on down the road. Believing the things that God says about heaven, where we're going, and the holy city that we're going to have, and uh, walking on gold and having walls of jasper and gates of pearl. That's what we're going to We're rich. This world is not rich. And some people are worth themselves to death for the things of the world. And when you die, who gets it? Your little brats that you didn't think deserved anything, and you're going to give it all of them. I'm just telling you straight. Who deserves first consideration when we make our plans? Does it reveal my love for God? You see... The Bible says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. If you love the Lord, then you want to do things that please the Lord. You're making choices about where you go, how you spend your time, how you make money, save money, spend money. Your whole life is do you love the Lord. And so life is revealing that by the decisions that you make. He also says, what other priorities does the Bible set for us? Love one another. Now, this is very important, but let me just mention this to you. You see, if you love one another, you see, love worketh no ill toward anybody. Love doesn't do that. Because love always wants the best for the other person. In other words, here's a boy. See, girl. Boy likes girl. If he really loves her, he won't do anything to hurt her, blame her, shame her in any way or cause her pain. Not if he loves her. Because you say you don't want to do something that would cause God to have to chasten that person. Don't you understand that if you lead somebody else into sin, that's not love, that's lust. And most people don't know the difference. Don't you want God to bless instead of having to chasten somebody? Well, don't cause somebody to do something that's wrong. Have you ever seen somebody do something wrong and because they were with them, they got caught too? And they had to go to jail too? And if you were with the group that robbed the bank and you just held the horse? I've watched enough cowboy movies to know. Well, then you're part of it. And there's people who do wrong and they encourage people to do wrong. If you really love somebody, don't you want them to do right so God can bless them? Why would you want God to have to chasten somebody because of their wrong decisions? Think, 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 think. Don't justify it. Think. Consequences. It ain't over yet. He makes this statement. 
Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth also hath fulfilled the law. Love will not do the following. Love will not do the following. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, all these things, this isn't under the law. This is in the New Testament. But that doesn't mean the law is bad. God's telling you, you're, you're my child now. And I want you to love others the way I love you. And if you love others, then you will not do these things with that other person. Because you have to have a high standard. If you don't, you're playing a fool, playing a fool. Now, top of the page. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, sexual activities outside of marriage. Right or wrong? Wrong. In case some of y'all can't say. That every one of you should know how to possess his body. That's the body. Controlling the desires of this old body. In sanctification and honor. Do you notice how many times the word should is mentioned in just those two verses? These verses I'm showing you are out of the Bible in case you didn't know that. I didn't make up these verses. God wrote these things. And they're in the Bible for us to make decisions. Right decisions. What to do, what not to do. Don't follow the world as a guide for morality. They have none. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any... Matter because that the Lord is the avenger. That phrase is very important. Because when you go against what God lays down, you're challenging God, and you might as well know now, you lose. You lose. You can't go against God and win. It's impossible. Learn it while you're young. Some of you may have another 20, 30, 40, 50 years to live, like myself. I may have another 50 years. Who knows? But I know there's consequences to making dumb, stupid, idiotic decisions based upon the will of man. Who's up first? Get all these things. Who deserves first consideration? Well, it's the Lord. And what are the priorities? Love thy neighbor. What difference will viewing life from God's perspective have on your plans and priorities? Greater riches. Notice the choices made by Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years... Refused, that's a choice. He made a choice. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a choice. Choosing, choice. You see, God didn't make them choose this. This is decisions that people make. These are decisions that you can make. You can make good decisions or bad decisions, but you're free to make them. That's the liberty that you have in Christ. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See that little phrase, pleasures of sin for a season? Why do people sin? It's pleasurable. It's fun. If it wasn't, people wouldn't do it. Is that hard to understand? But just because it's fun, just because it's pleasurable, just because it doesn't mean you should do it. You shouldn't do it. You may hate your wife and want to kill her. Should you do it? Now, why not? Because there's consequences. Do you realize it ain't over just because you took care of her? You may wind up going to jail for the rest of your life. I could go further on this, but I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just move right along. Esteeming the reproach. This is what he did. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches. 
than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the consequences, the result, the recompense of the reward that he was going to get because of making the right decision. Do you think Moses made a right decision? Look how God used him because of his right decision. And everybody heard of Moses, and Moses was a great man. And look how God used him because he made decisions. He made the decisions that God wanted him to make. He didn't always have the best of attitude, but he went ahead and did what God said to do. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured us in him who is invisible. You are daily exercising your free will. You're making decisions today. Some of you are deciding whether or not you're going to stay for the third Sunday dinner. You have an open invitation. I want you to all stay. we got food already prepared. But you may stay. You may not stay. Lord said he wants you to stay. Now, you can choose to disobey the Lord if you want. That's up to you. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God wants his children to be holy, to live a holy life. You know, in the period, he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. He said, well, I want to be no hypocrite. No, that's what will make you a hypocrite. Saying you love the Lord and then not living like you love the Lord. That's hypocritical. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who hath also given to us his Holy Spirit. So we're talking to the Christian. We're talking to believers, people who already know the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Can a Christian despise God? You despise his word when you have no time for it, don't read it, don't want to do it. And then whenever you do, you don't obey it. You despise him. Oh, I just love the Lord. He's so precious to me. You hypocrite. It ain't real. You're trying to say something nice when people think you're spiritual. But as ungodly as can be. You better not play games with God. God is an avenger. God even God take care of it. God judges. God is a good God. He's a righteous judge. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours, the freedom to make your own decisions, become a stumbling block and you make the wrong decision, then people stumble over you. Do you think you can fall and somebody not stumble? Somebody's following you. Somebody's watching you. They're watching your testimony. And they'll make decisions based upon you. They'll be encouraged because of you. Your presence today could have encouraged somebody. Your absence next Sunday is going to discourage somebody. We'll probably be able to fit everybody on the first two rows next Sunday. But anyway. The choices are yours. And so are the consequences. You are going to be blessed by the Lord when you make right decisions. Now, nobody can make you make these decisions. Nobody can make you straighten up and do right. I had the hardest thing in the beginning of my Christian walk. Remember, I didn't go to church. I'm 18 years old. I married this good-looking thing. We ran away and got married. Her daddy came looking for me with a gun. He was going to park my soul in eternity, and I wasn't ready. And instead of doing that, I didn't know he was a Sunday school teacher in the Baptist church for 20 years. And lo and behold, they would have a, a little devotion at night. And they put the table here, and mother-in-law, my wife, and father-in-law, and he'd talk about the Bible. I had no clue. I don't remember anything he ever said. Night after night, don't remember a thing he said. 
It's not in my mind. I have no recollection. I just know we did it, but I don't remember what he said. But they were praying for me. They'd been wanting me to get saved. But nothing stuck. Heard nothing. One night, they're going to have a shower for Betty. I was already washed up. So some of the ladies had gotten together, and they're going to have a, a shower for Betty. And I didn't have anything to do. You're talking about poor. They couldn't even pay attention. We were broken than the Ten Commandments. I'm sitting there. They didn't have a, 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 I don't know if they had a radio or not. They didn't have a television. We're sitting there. I'm sitting in the living room with nothing to do. I'm bored stiff. I'm an 18-year-old kid without a job, living with my father-in-law and mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, I don't think, ever did like me. I don't remember her ever being kind to me. Now, the daddy, yes. But I had to go through this. And they had a shower for Betty across the street. And I'm sitting there in the living room wondering, what in the world can I do? And I said, I'm bored. My father lost. says, why don't, why don't you read something? I said, I don't have anything to read. He says, I do. I said, what? He says, the Bible. I said, I don't, I don't have a Bible. He said, I got one. I said, I don't want to read in the Bible. He says, I do. He got the Bible, and he brought it over to me and opened up to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. He says, read this. I'm living in his home, eating his food, no job. For some reason or other, I felt like, okay, I'll read it. And I, I started reading the Gospel of John. I got to even John 3.16, and I did not understand anything in it. Not a word. I didn't understand it. I folded his Bible. I stood up, and I threw it on the couch. So disrespectful. A mean, egotistical, I mean, I was, I was, I was a shame and a disgrace to the human race. And I got up to walk out, and my father-in-law says, Yankee, what? Sit down. I thought I'd sit down. <laughs> so I walked over and I sat down. And he got the Bible. And he opened it to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he said to and explained that to me. That night, I don't know why, I remember just about everything. It's like a light went on. I see. I can, I've told this story over and over again. And all the time before that, it's a total dark page. I have no recollection. I just know we, we had to think. But this night, I saw what he was saying. And I thought, if what he says is true, I am going to hell. And that's when he finally hit me. I'm as lost as a hound dog on the end of a soup bone. And I stood up and I walked over to the door and I was going to go outside. I didn't know what to do. I had never seen anybody get saved. I didn't know that was something people did. I didn't know. Never heard. I got ready to walk outside. But Betty and the ladies were outside and I could hear them talking. So I didn't want to go outside. My father-in-law sitting there on the couch and I'm standing there facing the exterior door getting ready to go out. But I couldn't go there. And he was there. And I, I stood there and I, I don't know why I started weeping. I got tears in my eyes, and I started to cry. And my father-in-law looked at me and says, what's wrong? I says, nothing. Pride, ooh. And I started sobbing, so I turned off the light. 
I didn't want my father-in-law to see me cry. So now my father-in-law is sitting there in the dark. <laughs> and I'm standing there. I mean, I sobbed. My heart was broken. I didn't understand it all. And finally, whenever I went back over to the couch and he took that Bible and explained the gospel to me. And now I knew I had eternal life. I didn't know that that was the beginning of the greatest day for my whole life. I could have made a decision to not trust the Lord. I could have said no just as easy as I said yes. I knew nothing about convicting power of the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. Those words that never entered my mind. I don't know anything. All I know is if what he said is true, I'm going to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. You see, I always thought if I was good, I'd go to heaven. And I wasn't that bad. I wasn't good enough to go to heaven, and I wasn't bad enough to go to hell, I didn't think. So I still got, you know, leverage that at the end, I can always put a tear in my eye, and God will forgive me. He said, oh, sure, come on in. You deserve it. You've been more good than you have been bad, I thought. And then when he explained to me, there is none good. He that believeth not is condemned. And I had never trusted Christ as my Savior. But that night, when he explained it to me, it was clear as a bell. I understood. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm going to hell. And I need a Savior. I didn't trust the church. I didn't trust the preacher. This was in a little old living room in somebody's home. But it was the best news I ever heard in my life. Nobody has ever explained it to me. And now almost 76 years except that one man, my father-in-law, who told me how much God loved me. And I had a decision to make. And God will let me choose yes or he'll let me choose no. I decided to trust Christ as my Savior, my decision. God already made his. He would save whosoever would believe it. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. So God loves you. He loves me. He loves the whole world. But he hates sin. And see, we have all sinned. We choose to sin. We can know what's right and still choose to sin. We do wrong because we want to do it. It's our nature. It's hard to live above sin. You know that and I do. But God says he still loves us. But to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says, you can't save yourself. You don't go to heaven by going to church and giving money and doing all these good deeds. Salvation can't be earned. You can't buy it. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took our sins and paid for them. Came back from the dead. And he says the only thing that we have to do is believe he did it for us. Sitting there that night, I understood. I believe that. And he says, he that believeth hath, present tense, hath, right now hath everlasting life. I have everlasting life. He paid for all my sins. And the reason I'm going to heaven, because I don't have any sins to pay for. I've been as pure as pure can be in the eyes of God. When you look at me, I'm just an old man with an old sinful nature, and I'm imperfect. But God sees me as his child. 
with all my sins paid for and forgiven. And I'm going to heaven on what he did for me. See, you can't know you're going to heaven until you know you can't go to hell. I can't go to hell. I can't go today. I can't go tomorrow. I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ died for all my sins. And I believe he did it for me. But that was a decision I had to make. Nobody can make it for me. My father-in-law couldn't make it for me. My wife, she couldn't make it for me. My mother-in-law, I don't think she would have made it for me. I had to make that decision myself, just like you have to. And nobody can make you trust Christ as Savior. They can't even force you to do it because it's something between you and God when you say, I believe he did it for me. God knows whether you believe it or not. So you're not trying to earn your way to heaven because you know you're already going. You don't try to earn something you already have. I've already been saved. I'm not trying to be saved. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now make that decision? It is yours. It's yours to make. God allowed you to choose. You can say yes. You can say no. But that was the smartest thing I have ever done. So in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, would you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I got questions. I got doubts. But the best I know how, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And right now, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, I'd love to. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you'll let us know. But in the auditorium here, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, anyone at all before we close, say, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting. I'm not going to draw attention to you. Yes, God bless you, sir. You can put it down. Anyone else? Just very quickly, slip it up, put it right back down. You're not claiming to be anything, stopping anything, joining anything. All you're doing is receiving a free gift of everlasting life. And by trusting Christ right now, he gives you everlasting life right now. And when you get up to leave, you can say, I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die. Not because I'm good, but because he is. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Our Father, we do thank you so much for loving us, for giving us that free gift of eternal life. We ask your blessings, especially upon the one that indicated that they would trust your Savior. By doing so, it's a sign of good judgment. Only a fool would turn down a free gift. But Father, they become your child and you become their father. We ask your blessings now upon each person here. Thank you so much for the food that's been prepared. And give us a good time of fellowship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.